All right. We're live. We're live. Woo, woo. Whenever you're ready, Pauline. Spack snack. Welcome to Spack Snack, the podcast about what we're eating and what's eating us. I'm Pauline, one of your snack cast hosts, and we're all going to go around and say hi. My pronouns are she, her. I'm Mickey, he, him. This is Jenny, she, her. This is Christina, she, her. This is Thomas, he, him. My name is Aya, she, her. And today we also have a special guest for this episode. So Garrett Chain is here. Yay! Yay! Hi, Garrett. Yay! I'm Garrett. He, him. Thanks for joining us. You could tell us a little bit about yourself. So how long have you been part of SPAC? What was your favorite childhood snack? Anything else you want to mention about what you do? I was actually at the first uh, SPAC meeting. It was Panama Hotel, right? So that's how I know it was going to be a good thing because Panama Hotel is a pretty important spot here in Seattle. My favorite childhood snack was a Chinese candy called Ha Flakes. Mm. And I always remember because I asked my mother what's in it and she told me, Ha. which turns out actually it's something called a hawthorn plant hawthorn berries so that's pretty cool and i am a teacher i'm gonna hit you actually with Mm. one of the questions submitted by one of our loyal fans (laughs) Uh, go for it miss karen chung submitted this question what is your most exciting recent food experience my most exciting recent food experience. I teach fifth grade, and we had a fifth grade graduation, and so the families all volunteered to bring food, and it was amazing. We had an awesome uh, spread, and people brought, like, you know, homemade dishes, things from their home countries, or home cultures, and probably the two most memorable things was somebody made a, a Mexican-style chicken mole, so it's like a savory chocolate yes. sauce chicken. It was so good. And then... Um, a West African family brought a West African style samosa. Mm, so usually like, you know, yeah. South Asian samosas have curry, but this one had more like an onion flavor, potatoes and beef. It was so good, like perfectly fried, not like, you know, oily and greasy. It was so crispy. And yeah, I, lo- I love food. We're so jealous right here. now. <laughs> <laughs> the second Karen submitted question, when was the last time you were overcome with amazement at the world, your life or a particular person? <laughs> Wow. Yes, that's such a positive question. What a teacher question. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll cheat and I'll say graduation. This year in my school district, uh, they're finally moving fifth graders to middle school. Beforehand, what they do is when the fifth graders graduate, they become sixth graders. And they were keeping sixth grade at elementary school, which is kind of unusual. Most of the public school districts in uh, the Seattle area have long since put sixth graders in middle school. So it was really cool. This was like our first big fifth grade graduation ever. It was just so special to see so many families come out. Um, We had some student speakers, so the fifth graders wrote their own graduation speeches, and it's just so, you know, always touching to hear the kids, you know, thank their families and, you know, talk about their experiences from the school year. So it makes me believe in the future. Good job, kids. (laughs) Thank you to everybody who listened to our first episode, and we are so grateful for those of you who are just tuning in now. It's, and please feel free to continue giving us feedback. We loved all of your feedback, um, especially all the concerned remarks about Thomas and all of the <laughs> shady threw at matcha. I'm just keeping it real, guys <laughs> and girls and siblings. <laughs> guys, guys, gals, and concerned pals. <laughs> it was uh, uh, somebody who recently just got woke after Pride. <laughs> 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 Pride was yesterday, so we're on an 
an upward trajectory. Um, so yeah, we just want to say that we're basically all pro matcha except for Thomas. Um, those were fighting words. And if there are any other unpopular opinions that you would like to give, we might be able to just like start your own segment where you just like burn everything down. Yeah, Mickey had a really good name for that segment. Yeah, uh, I think we should call it Snack Smack. And it will just be a segment of Thomas giving his un- unpopular uh, opinions of food. Smackdown. Snack, oh, snack, snack, Smackdown. Smackdown. Oh, so that might be that say. might be a little much. I don't know. We have a lot of stuff on our menu today. So our first course is going to be our panton, which is kind of like the Korean side dishes. So it's what we're eating. Um, so yeah, we just had dinner. What did we eat for dinner? None of us know how to pronounce oh. the name of the oh, noodles. I'm sorry. I guess that's me then. <laughs> <laughs> we had naengmyeon, mul naengmyeon, and bibim naengmyeon, which is cold buckwheat noodles, and then um, the spicy version of that. And it was all from one pot, which is a three-minute drive from here. We also made some gochujang cauliflower wings recommended by Kat Coleman. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Kat. They were delicious. So delicious. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend. Happy Asian vegans. (laughs) (laughs) Proud Asian vegan, right? Happy and proud Asian vegans. Do we want to try any of the snacks that we brought? You should open up the snacks. Yeah, we can do some snack ASMR. Okay, what, what is Thomas eating? I'm eating banana cake. Banana or cake. banana cake in English. Thanks for reading it in Korean first. <laughs> it's just, it's always funny when you look at the Korean and you're like, ooh, it's Korean. No, it's just a transliteration <laughs> of English. Literally. And there is a person in a banana suit with legs and a face and arms kicking, kicking a soccer ball, but it actually tastes like bananas. Mmm. Very satisfying crotch noise. So I actually bought this bag of banana kick when I was down for the pack conference in Koreatown. So these have lasted over a month unopened in my house. I love all things banana and like I'm a sucker for weird shit on, you know, like the bag. Like the this banana character has like bright green shoes. They look like Adidas. Um it's pretty creepy. I was just gonna say uh, commenting Thomas's description. It looks to me not like a person, but it's a banana with arms and legs. Not a person in a suit. But a really cute one. No. But he's it's, a very cute banana. It's kind of cute, but mostly creepy. It's pretty creepy. <laughs> Thomas, I think the listeners would want to know your take on this banana chip since it's non-strawberry. Ooh. Ooh. It reminds me of strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> Positive association. I would say it's probably because it's just really sweet. And, oh, yeah. Um, Ooh, that's... Still basic. This <laughs> is why when you have a husband and wife team on your podcast, you get the inside scoop on what the, the other person's actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super unnuanced, but Jenny is correct. This is 19 grams of total sugars. <laughs> and I love it. This and podcast feels sugar, sugar is my favorite flavor. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess if you had to pick, like, one of the, is it, there's five tastes. There's, like, mm-hmm. sweet, salty, sour, something umami. <laughs> Bitter. Bitter. Bitter, yeah. So what is your favorite? So your favorite is sweet. It's my, my only is nuanced sour. taste bud. <laughs> you have one taste bud, and it's sweet. Mine is salty. Mm-hmm. I am also salty. <laughs> <laughs> My, my taste bud is definitely sour. Yeah, mine's mm. also sour. 
sour forever. Mm-hmm. Sour. So then, do you just like gummies and Sour Patch Kids? I just like things that are like pickled or fermented. Or like, I'll eat Sour Patch gummies like forever, for sure. A lot of uh, Filipino cooking is acidic, so like a lot of vinegar. So that's where my yes. sour comes from. So yes. I moved into Christina's house this past weekend, and we were already talking about making sinigang, which is this tamarind-based stew. Um, really tangy, really sour, so. Yeah, I basically, like, when I was in the Philippines last time, I, for seven days, drank sinigang every day. Oh, my God. <laughs> drank? Yeah, I was just like, mm. You know what? <laughs> I do, I cheat when I make sinigang. I use the powder, and sometimes I just, like, boil hot water and put the powder in, like, not even any vegetables or meat. Just drink it so I understand. I sometimes drink, like, pickle juice, like, from the jar. I just no, I lo- feel that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love sour food so much. Sour, spicy, tangy, all of it. Yeah. But I actually, speaking of bitter earlier, um, I went on a date with this guy one time, and he, the whole first of all, the whole time it was, he was, like, a drill sergeant, and he just kept asking me all these, like, questions one after another, and they were, like, the philosophical ones oh, where, no, like... like, an actual drill sergeant. <laughs> well, no, no, but... Um, <laughs> Real daddy. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Thomas Thomas just learned this definition. We played a volleyball tournament this past weekend, and everyone was gay on our team, and he just learned the definition of a daddy this weekend. Oh. So he was Pride weekend just... has done a lot for Thomas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, looking for or looking after our non-binary siblings and knowing about daddy, a poor trajectory. Know what a daddy is. Mm, I don't daddy. know. Okay. Go back to go back to your Thomas, what do you think a daddy is? Oh my god! I want to know. I, I don't want to speak my mind on a podcast that would be forever immortalized on the internet. It's a trap. It's like, we'll let you think about it. Yeah, I, let me think about it. Okay, okay. Yeah, he's gonna furiously Google now. Sponsored by Google. <laughs> um, but yeah, so sponsored so, by Urban Dictionary. <laughs> one part of the one part of the date, the the drill sergeant date was like. Uh, oh, sorry. Not actually drill sergeant again. Um, we hate the military industrial complex. Anyways, um, so this person Pro was matcha like, anti-industrial complex. <laughs> yes. But yeah, he was like, what's your favorite flavor palette? And I was like, mm, salty and sour. And then he's like, oh, like, like clearly disappointed that it gave such a basic answer. And I was like, what's your flavor palette? And he's like, bitter. Because there can be de- 10 different types of varieties of bitter, but saltiness is just one note. And He's I was like, 100% rehearsed his answers ahead of time, and that is terrifying. <laughs> also, he runs a food blog now. <laughs> okay, let's, let's get all our followers to go to his food blog and be like, you know, I liked it, but it just wasn't that good. Like, <laughs> it was just really one note. Lukewarm it was comments. just one note. Yeah, it was just, it was just one <laughs> note. But anyway, it was like the most pretentious date I ever went on. Oh, God. And especially because he judged me for my, like, palate choices. I don't think sour is at all basic. Thank you. I spoke about some things, and now that y'all have talked about everything, I would say sour and salty. Mm. <laughs> That's Gotta very take basic. both of them. <laughs> <laughs> no one said umami. Anyone want to go hard for um- umami? <laughs> I feel like umami is almost at the intersection of sour and sweet, you know? Like a little bit. I think it's at the intersection between sour and salty. Yeah. Oh, right. Sorry, sorry. You were saying. Yes, you're right. right. No, but a tomato is also a little sweet because tomato also has umami. It does? Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, basically eating vegan food, I'm just trying to get everything to taste like umami. <laughs> so I feel like the shortcut to umami is like steak. Steaks. <laughs> Sponsored by Aya's Guide. Do you not want to be basic like Thomas? Oh. Check out ayasguide.com. Your guide to all cool Seattle things. And also Japan? Ah, uh, yeah, I have some Japan stuff on there, too. And you know what this would be really great for? Our SPAC conference in what, 2020. What? We got you covered. Yeah, so ayasguide, A-Y-A-S-G-U-I-D-E.com. Check it out. So for today's main dish, we wanted to cover a topic that often comes up when we talk about APIDA experiences, school lunch, all of its trauma related to white people complaining about stinky smells, all of that. And I just wanted to ask around the room, who here has been personally victimized by whiteness and school lunches? Sorry. Who here has been personally victimized by Regina? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this that. is a total Mean Girls reference, bringing us back into the high school space. It definitely reminded me of Mean Girls. And what's really sad is in high school, when I first moved from Guam um, to California, SoCal, um, very white, like conservative Mormon town, my first lunch experience was eating in the bathroom because I had no friends. Mm. And I, I think this is, like, really the power of media is representative or, like, the power of media representation because that's where like, I imagine not having friends would be. And so, yeah, I went to the bathroom and ate my lunch. Um, like, straight out from Mean Girls. From Mean Girls because yeah. that's where I learned it from. And then did you become really popular and then I wheeled it? I did not. My 10-year reunion, reunion is next year, and I'm not going because I don't have any more friends, but... Um, I remember for English class, backing up a little bit, Guam is 27% Filipino, which is the second most populous like ethnic group. So growing up, one of every four person was Filipino. And I never experienced what people experience with like stinky lunches because if I brought like synagogue or like Tanola, people were like, ooh, can I have some? I never got like, oh, that's so stinky. And I think I did get that, like, with something I brought, but, like, people were quick to shut that down and, like, what are you even talking about? Like, that smells great. So that was my experience growing up. But coming from, to the States, I did a project about Guam in my English class and brought for extra credit Chicken Caliguin, which is chopped chicken with lemon and soy sauce um, and chili pepper and green onions. And I love Chicken Caliguin. And I remember this, like, why, like, really white person was just like, oh my gosh, what is this? Like, this is so disgusting. And it was really nice because there was this other white kid who like had more like uh, API friends, like saying like, what are you talking about? So it's kind of a nice like parallel from like being in Guam. And then, yeah, just knowing that other, like there are people that are white that actually have taste buds, but. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't like just bland food. So when I found Thomas, <laughs> <laughs> can you start every story you tell of Thomas with that sentence? It's <laughs> really amazing. And I feel bad for throwing shade in this direction, but he was very sincere when he told me his favorite food is pizza. And okay, no okay, shame. <laughs> no shame, totally. But as like 
a woman who grew up eating like Korean food mm. on a daily basis, I was like, there are so many other options for favorite foods. And <laughs> he also ate a burger on our first date with a fork and a knife. And I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> what have I gotten he, into? He's so well-mannered. <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it just really surprised me to find an Asian-American who chose pizza as their favorite food, as if there's nothing else better in this world. I can scarf pizza down like nobody's business. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> And the mukbang will just be Thomas eating pizza by himself. No commentary. Yeah, the next Instagram. Hey, yo, though, but like so many people would watch that about Thomas. <laughs> just no explanation. Just start the video, just eat pizza, and then eating turn it one off. one after another. <laughs> next what month. Kind of pizza? Oh, God. Cheese. Aya's head is exploding. <laughs> Wait, literally, You're from no, Chicago not, not. You just want to eat cheese pizza? Not cheese pizza. He likes pineapple. Oh, yeah. Pineapple pizza. Pineapple pizza. Pro pineapple on pizza. And he'll be like, oh, my gosh, this, pizza, this pineapple is so good. And then the server is like, yeah, it's out of a can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll join you then, Thomas, because I do like pineapple. But I'm not sure I could pick pizza as my all-time favorite food. But I do like that, pineapples. That's okay. That's okay. Hey, pineapples and savory food, I know that's not everybody's thing, like pineapple fried rice. Like, yes. Yes. Well, it's so good. Garrett, what was your favorite school lunch? Um, man, I didn't like any school lunches. So I grew, I grew up here in Washington State. I was born in Oakland, but I went to a public school in a suburb south of Seattle called Kent. And we used to eat school lunches in the classroom, which is kind of interesting. They didn't want us eating in the cafeteria because it make the cafeteria dirty. And they use right? <laughs> exactly, the the and they use and they use Budget the cafeteria cuts. for for like band practice and other things, <laughs> right? It's like this is not a very well planned out school. So you see, it's school lunch in, in the classroom. So everyone sat at their desk eating their lunch, and the school lunches just never looked good. They always looked the same. You would have these little foil trays. You peel back the foil, and it didn't matter if it was like spaghetti or Salisbury steak or whatever. It was always like the same, like just mash of like nasty <laughs> brown red you couldn't even tell so i of course like you know i grew up eating a lot of chinese food at home and i i of course also had the asian food experience where you know you bring your lunch and your classmates like what is that that's disgusting and i think probably i, I remember actually getting really mad one time because i had brought noodles to school but i had not brought like you know the traditional skinny noodles i had my mom had made like a beef chow fun which mm. is like the big wide, fat rice noodles, which I loved. Mm. But I had classmates making comments because we got a lot of slugs here in the Pacific Northwest. They're like, oh, my God, Garrett's eating slugs. And I'm like, Aww. come on. This is delicious noodles. Like, even white people eat noodles. How can you guys be talking about my noodles here? So I, that's probably my, my food trauma memory. But um, I, I will say this. I'm, I, I was just remembering a story when Mick, Mickey was telling about his cultural project. We did cultural projects, too, in the fifth grade. And I remember um, this one one kid, he brought in um, some Scandinavian, like, uh, pickled fish. <laughs> Shout out to Greg Madsen. And I remember <laughs> I remember he brought this pickled fish into class, and I'm sure all the other white people did not expect the pickled fish to smell so 
pickled. <laughs> and I remember him looking so sad, and it was just me, the Chinese kid, and Greg Matson eating his pickled fish. And I'm like, Greg, this is delicious. I'm sorry. No one else in the class <laughs> will see your Scandinavian cold pickled fish. Wow, that's like a Swedish Chinese cultural connection I did not see coming. That's yeah, really awesome. it's v- it's very interesting. I did still keep in touch with my fifth grade teacher. He actually just retired oh, wow. this past year, so I was able to attend his retirement ceremony. Wait, what's your fifth grade teacher's name? Oh yeah, Mr. Barrett. Shout out to Mr. Barrett. Garrett in Mr. Barrett's class. <laughs> Shout out Mr. Barrett. Was he happy to find out that you also were teaching fifth grade? He was. He was super happy. Um Apparently, from our class, I think we've actually had three people become teachers. And whenever I try to think about like what is a good teacher, I always remember my fifth grade teacher. Mm-hmm. He was a, he was like my second male teacher, and he's just like such like a cool, like you know, like gentle guy. And I, I think that kind of like destroyed stereotypes I had about male teachers of always being like mean, like Christina's drill sergeant <laughs> story. Like mm-hmm. teachers are gonna shout questions at you all day. And, He's a really good teacher, and I, I, th- I think when I told him uh, that I had become a teacher, and he, and he was so surprised, but he was also really happy to hear because uh, some other students from my class also became teachers, too. Garrett, I wanted to ask you, um, if uh, being a parent now to <laughs> two children um, and being on the opposite end of like sh- school lunches, um, <laughs> are there any experiences with your children that you are facing as a parent? Yeah, you, you know, like, because you don't want your parent or you don't want your kids to have that, like, same experience. But at the same time, you're kind of like, you don't want your kids to be ashamed of being Asian, right? Chinese American. But I, I will say this, like, both both my kids attend a school where it's like a minority majority population, like probably more than 50 percent of the students at my kids school are Latino. So, I mean, they're pretty like. I think way more open-minded to like different kinds of food than the kids I went to school with because like the school I went to as a kid was like 90% white. <laughs> so the funny funny story I actually have about that is so my son has a peanut allergy. So we, we don't usually have him buy school lunch and we usually pack his lunch for him. So then he's also kind of currently on a not liking to eat meat thing. <laughs> so maybe he's he's vegetarian by choice. Proud Asian vegan. <laughs> I know, right? Proud Asian vegan. So it's funny is actually I, I had to deal with like a situation I would never have imagined happen. So um, my wife came up to me and she's like, yeah, you know, I don't think um, our son's been eating his lunch. Like he's always hungry, like after school, like, but all the food from his lunch is like gone. Like, I don't know what's going on. So I had to sit down with my son and what I found out is because kids wanted to eat his food, <laughs> and, and he was so nice. Like, and these are like things I wouldn't imagine. Like, you know, we have like sometimes like Japanese rice crackers, or like you know the roasted Korean seaweed. Like things like I wouldn't think non-Asian kids would be interested in. But my son is so like you know kind. Like, here, try something. He was like passing out his lunch <laughs> to all the other kids, and that's definitely I, I can understand that too because he's probably one of the few kids in his class that bring lunch. Most of the kids get free and reduced lunch at a school. So I can see how they would get tired eating school lunch every day. And they'd be like, hey, the Chinese kid brought some good food. <laughs> Please share with us. Yeah. That's such a polar opposite from like your experience. Yeah. You know, they're growing up. At, kids nowadays are growing up, I think, in such like a different environment. Like I'm sure at some point he will have the Asian food experience when he brings something that's not universally liked. Like, you know, pickled fish or kimchi or tofu. But it's so funny to me that, that kids nowadays are 
into eating like Asian food or Asian snacks. I don't know if it's sometimes like media influence or kids are just more open-minded because they come from a, a different cultural background than just like white people eating white food. So Garrett, how did you solve that problem? Did you just start packing bigger lunches or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's tough. Uh, I did, I did tell him like, hey, like, you know, make sure you eat first because if you're not eating your food, your mother and I are going to be kind of like upset. But I didn't want to discourage him from sharing. I did tell him though, too, to remember that maybe also some kids might have allergies like him. Mm. So some school districts, right, they're very strict about the whole like, don't trade lunches, don't let kids eat other kids food because you know someone could have a allergic reaction go into anaphylactic shock but um it's funny because like when when I ask my son like you know what what he wants to bring in like uh for class snack so we try to bring snacks for the class like you know besides the standard like you know Ritz crackers or pretzels like sometimes I ask like hey can I bring in rice crackers things like that so we'll try to hook up all the kids with Asian snacks Asian snacks for everybody <laughs> <laughs> This is how we take over America. <laughs> it is. It is, right? It's, it's like I'm all totally these, like... joking. We're not trying to take over America. <laughs> it's all these kids are into, like, K-pop nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. Like, watching on, like, YouTube. Like, no kids nowadays watch TV ever watches YouTube, which is interesting. So, kind of related to the free and reduced lunch. So, I grew up pretty poor, and I went to public school my whole life, and... For most of my life, I grew up eating free and reduced lunch, and it was kind of comforting. Like, my parents were never home, so they couldn't pack me lunch, and if I did want to pack lunch, I'd just, like, make a rice ball, like a little nigiri, and not fill it with anything. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, like, plain rice. rice. Just rice. With, like, free kake on it. So, for me, it was, like, an easy way to just assimilate. And I grew up in, like, a majority white space. So we moved around a lot, but, like, the consistency was I didn't have to pack my lunch. I didn't have to think about food. And I ate what all the other kids were eating. A lot of it was, like, chicken fried steak is, like, number one memory. Because that shit's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And cuts of beef. I remember like chicken nuggets and kind of like crappy steamed broccoli with peas and carrots. And yeah, it was all stuff that I don't think I would have had exposure to otherwise because mm. when I would wait for my parents to come home, so my dad is a chef, um, I'd stay up super late and sometimes till like one or two in the morning. And whatever he would make would just be, like, pulled from the fridge, just, like, mishmash, whatever. It was never, like, thoughtfully prepared or anything. So as an adult now, like, I can really appreciate, like, home-cooked Japanese meals. Mm -hmm. And I think that is why I love food so much is, like, I appreciate it now as an adult. You would be surprised how much school lunch hasn't changed, like, Definitely most popular day is probably chicken nugget day. <laughs> Second most popular, probably pizza. Pizza yes. day. <laughs> and third is maybe sometimes hamburger day, but then I don't know. Sometimes kids are just not down with the hamburgers. But kids can get salad now. Um, our school's a member of a fresh fruits and vegetables program, which is kind of cool. So local farmers will uh, donate produce. Wow. 
And so the kids actually get like legit, like, hey, this is a fresh like apple from Washington, or this is actual like you know like uh, or or oranges aren't grown from Washington, but like you guys get the idea, fresh fruits, fresh fruits. yeah, peaches, things like that, nectarines. Mm-hmm. Though sometimes it, it's interesting because like. It could be any kind of produce. I remember one time, like, it was just raw radishes. <laughs> and, all, and all my Latino kids are like, yeah, these would be great if we had a bunch of tacos, Mr. Chan. <laughs> and like, yes, I agree. We should have some tacos to slice these radishes up with. And another time, they, get, they gave us, like, garlic, like, just raw garlic. <laughs> I was like, well, if we're attacked by vampires, I guess we're pretty good. But otherwise, here you go, kids. And just pass it out to them. Take it home. Tell your mom to cook something with Everyone it. Everyone was, like, really healthy that week and had yes. really bad breath. Yes, yes. The fruits are always more popular than the vegetables, obviously, right? The kids love anything sweet, right? Going back to Thomas's number one flavor profile, sweet. Jenny always calls me a child. Yeah. Sweet or spicy, hence the snacks I brought, like the, the Takis that everyone's been eating. Well, I kind of had, like, a totally different experience. Um, I went to – this is mostly drawing from my experience going to primary school in Canada, um, in Vancouver, and they didn't have, like, standard lunches for everybody, so everybody just brought their own. I I guess I had a pretty classic North American experience where, like, all the Asian kids were, like, kind of shameful about the food that they brought because it was always, like, a little bit smelly, and, like, there would be soup packed into, like, the the (laughs) – What's it called again? Like, yeah, thermos flask thingies, and it would have spilled like halfway, you know, through the day. Then your whole like locker smells like that soup. And then, you know, the lunchtime trade economy was like very active. Everybody was like trading food with each other. And like, you know, definitely the person who had like the Lunchables was like on the top of the food chain. The Lunchable pyramid. Oh, man. And so when I first moved to Canada, like, I didn't understand what was going on. So I was like, I certainly had to quickly learn, like, the lunch economy. And then I was like, I remember being at Safeway, like, just literally hyperventilating, telling my mom how much I needed to have Lunchables. And she did not understand. And then finally, when I got it, I was like, felt so good about myself and was like, mm, you can have it, not you, because you were mean to me yesterday. <laughs> and I was just like, mm. But I remember the most desirable Lunchable set was the pizza Lunchables. Yeah. Oh and then yes. the funniest thing, though, was, like, I was making my pizza Lunchables, feeling really great about myself. And then this Italian girl, like, lost her shit when she saw me make it. She was like, this is not how you make a pizza. I'm Italian. I know. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it was, like, a moment of intense cultural shock for me. <laughs> I was like, turns out I don't know how to make a pizza. And why would I? Like, I just moved over from Shanghai. I have no idea how the fuck to make it. <laughs> would you would you eat the pizza lunchable now though because like when i think about it it's like cold you would i is nodding yes here okay Just so Aya? when i first everyone else says no i i when i moved to seattle about three years ago actually because there was a safeway just around the corner from where i lived so i decided to relive my childhood <laughs> so i went and got a pizza lunchable set Oh my god, was it actually it good? It was so disgusting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I realized that they now have like these souped up versions of Lunchables. Like it's like a healthier choice. Like and it's in a different packaging, but they also have the classic ones too. That's like feeling better about yourself because you got the Trader Joe JoJo's instead of Yeah, Marvel yeah, yeah, Oreos. exactly, exactly. They're the same. <laughs> it's kind of weird because like I was talking about Guam, we definitely grew up with like it's such a food culture. Like, we have fiestas every month celebrating, like, different states, and everyone in the village is invited. So definitely food culture, like, 
Korean, Japanese, Chinese, Filipino, Chamorro. But Lunchables was still on top. <laughs> <laughs> and when you were talking about that, I have not thought about Lunchables forever. But when you were talking about the pyramid, I was like, wait, why did why was pizza Lunchables on top when I could have like chicken caligwin and like <laughs> I don't understand it. And we like Guam's white population is probably seven percent. It's probably closer to ten percent now, just because there is a lot of it's literally mili- the demographic of Asians in the U.S. <laughs> it's like a lot of military activity now, just because they want to be there in the Pacific Islands. But I never ever really processed how Lunchable pizza sets were the top in Guam and. To me, it does not make any sense because, yeah, it was shitty. And I was a kid saying it was shitty. <laughs> but, like, I, I don't understand. It's still, like, on field trips, like, when kids have to bring their lunch. Yeah, the Lunchable thing is still... It's so funny, though, because I remember one time um, this uh, boy, he had brought some fresh tamales that his mom had made him. And he traded his mom's tamales for Lunchable. And I was wow. like, you fool. <laughs> you're, 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 you're too young. You don't know any better. Because he's like, you have chosen poorly. Like, this is just a tamale, Mr. Chan. It's like, this delicious tamale, you traded it for Lunchable. I can't believe you. It's, it's, very, it's very funny. But maybe, you know, Lunchables, if you're listening to our podcast, will offer you like a rebrand. Like, what if they had like a spam Lunchable? Like a oh. fried spam Lunchable, right? I, th- I think so I think we're yeah, like a rice cracker. Like instead. build your own spamasubi. Yeah, like the rice, and the nori, so and the spam. <laughs> that would be so yeah. good. Yeah, let's start this. Let's quit this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> start a company right now. This is the <laughs> this is the money maker right here. Asian lunchable. We can call it munchables. Yeah, munchables. <laughs> that sounds like it's edible. <laughs> edibles. Munchables. Oh, oh, like an edible, edible. Oh, oh okay, okay. That oh, can well. be our a twenty-one and over line. <laughs> That could be our 21 and over line. <laughs> Maybe a pizza lunchable is only good after you're high. Maybe that's what the secret is. When uh, you're no. a child or when you're high. That base is just like cardboard. And I don't yeah. understand. Because like, honestly, the more you talk about this, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, how, do, how is Lunchables a thing? Because even the regular Lunchables, like the, the most basic one, is just cheese, crackers, and ham. Yeah. So yeah. how is it? on the top of the hierarchy. Like, I do not... White supremacy. But maybe this is why people are so into charcuterie boards, because it reminds them of Lunchables. <gasps> I just came for charcuterie boards, because I can't eat anything on the charcuterie board. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Wow, that's such a frightening thought. That we just migrated our love of munch- Lunchables into a charcuterie <laughs> board. I mean, Jenny made, like, the most delicious charcuterie board I've ever seen for Easter. I mean, that was that was a work of art and mainly made by my sister. But <laughs> I will say that it's pretty much an adult lunchable. <gasps> oh. But it's also like if you have a glass of wine, why not? But it wine came with those not. those Capri Yeah, the Capri Oh my gosh, wine is adult Capri <laughs> Yeah. You can get wine in pouches. <laughs> My mind is so blown by this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, we've uncovered everything. So we have to um, get wine in a pouch, create a make-your-own-charcuterie board thing, <laughs> and a make-your-own-masubi thing, and just sell that shit. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm quitting my PhD right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this! <laughs> 
This podcast is brought to you by Charcuterie. <laughs> Charcuterie? I can't say this. Brought to you by Mickey struggling to say charcuterie. So it is that time of our podcast that we answer, what are we snacking on? I can go first because I've thought about this. Um, snacking on two things. There is a pack baby that we all know that will be de-identified, but their parents... <laughs> Uh, posted a video of them saying happy pride and the baby's like two. My second thing that I'm snacking on is Texas pack since our first recording has become an actual thing. It's led by Kat who gave the recipe for what we had for dinner. Um, Edwin and Paul and they've had two meetings last month and they're going strong. I, I absolutely believe that we'll probably have a Houston conference like in the next four years. Yeah, it's so awesome. I'm already excited for all the foods. I'm already like scrolling through my Houston recommendation list. What are you snacking on, Jenny? I um, am a pharmacist for Kaiser Permanente, and sometimes they make me work in departments where I literally don't have uh, to listen to anything. So I listen to a lot of podcasts when I have these shifts. And recently I started a podcast called Adulting. It is hilarious. But they will answer questions like, what is an appropriate amount to spend on pillows? Oh, oh my Ooh. God. Good question. Yeah, important. Such a good know. question. Okay, real quick. What's the appropriate amount to spend on pillows? $75. No, $75? <laughs> on Wait, one pillow? A pillow is very important. So if you get a memory foam pillow that's like actually comfortable and like supports your neck. Whatever <laughs> doesn't make your wife mad. <laughs> that's, that's adulting. I agree. As a wife, <laughs> I agree. Please, please take that advice. I think that the appropriate amount to spend on a pillow is, so they usually come in a packet of two. I feel like if you get pillows. Two? It, <laughs> okay. At Costco, they do. Maybe it's a Costco thing. I feel like I but, got all my pillows from Ikea, so. Yeah, Ikea had some good pillows, too. Oh, no, I have one, and it's, like, fucking with my neck, so I really need to oh, get a new oh. one. Let's go to Costco. <laughs> I think at Costco, it, you can get a decent pillow, like, two for 60. I've literally purchased a pillow for $40 at Ikea before, so I feel like 30 to 50 for a pillow, it's not the worst. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So you've been snacking on adulting. Adulting, yeah. It's hosted by, oh, God, I'm going to terribly butcher these names <laughs> and they're famous so i feel bad michelle Batu. michelle buteau yes she is hilarious she is constantly saying brown titties and it's just <laughs> i just not it to my recommendation for always be my maybe and jordan carlos oh my gosh she's in that movie yes, that's where i've assistant. seen there before yes it's like i recognize his voice yes. but Yes, this is hilarious, and everyone should listen. Last time that we recorded, a couple of us had gone to see Always Be My Maybe in theaters. Yeah, but I loved Always Be My Maybe. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was a good rom-com. I thought it was good representation of um, different parts of the Asian-American community. Um, I appreciated that it was written by three Asian-Americans, by Ali Wong and Randall Park, um, and their friend, whose name I don't remember, and I thought they were super good in it. I loved Keanu Reeves in it. I loved Michelle Buteau. I loved 
just like everyone that showed up. It was just Daniel Day Kim was so funny. <laughs> His only response to anything is just be like, mm. uh, <laughs> which I appreciate. And hmm, I hope this doesn't actually spoil the movie, but there's this one part of the movie where one character just like believes in another character so much. And I feel like that kind of like pure hearted belief is so hard to come by in movies and it wasn't cheap or fake or sentimental. It was just like really respected in the script. And I really appreciated that. I was listening to the, they call us Bruce podcast and um, yeah, they were just having so much fun, like talking about it. I'm not like used to listening to podcasts where the only hosts are men. So that was taking a little bit (laughs) for me to get used to. But, yeah, it was so good. It was just such a good movie. And it's on Netflix, so you don't have any um, excuses. Also, the Into the Spider-Verse movie is now on Netflix. And so yeah. you have, if you have not seen either of these movies, you need to go to Netflix. Or you can email me and I will give you access to my Netflix subscription. Because <laughs> I believe. Um, yeah, so you should definitely see Always Be My Maybe. And then what I think was the best movie of 2018, um, except for Black Panther, which was so weird it was only released like a year ago um into the spider-verse those are awesome recommendations well i just started summer vacation because Ooh. seattle had snowpocalypse so <laughs> all the california people are probably laughing because they've been done with school in may so i just finished school last week so today is july 1st you'll probably be listening to this podcast later so one of the big things I always try to do every summer is I try to read lots and lots and lots of books, both adult books and kid books. So last kid book I read was this book called Front Desk, written by Kelly Yang. And I think it's the first Asian-American book I've read where both the protagonist, a girl, is Chinese-American, and the antagonist, <laughs> the villain, is Chinese-American. So shout out to writing a complex novel. Kelly Yang, good job. But it's a really good one. If you have like kids who are about, I'd say, fourth or fifth grade age, it's a great summer read. Read it with them. Has lots of like cool, like uh, I don't want to spoil the books. I don't want to say much more than just read it. It's a good book. If you have like a great summer read recommendation, I would love for people to uh, contact the podcast and say, Garrett, read this book. I will start snacking on July. I shot four weddings over the past three weeks. I'm pretty wiped. And this is like the height of wedding season for me. So I have no social life. And it's just constantly wedding editing and then contacting my clients and scheduling and all of that fun stuff. So I'm looking forward to not shooting a wedding this weekend. God bless. I'm also super pumped on our second anniversary for SPAC, which is on Wednesday, July 3rd. And a lot has happened. We have a lot to share on our actual anniversary, including uh, SPAC Church, which will start August 11th. I have been actually snacking on a HBO TV show called Euphoria that just recently came out. And I watched the first two episodes, like, it was really dark. Like, I was not prepared for it. I think I saw Zendaya, and I was like, oh, it's probably going to be, like, just, you know, regular teeny bopper stuff. And it was not. It was, like, trigger warnings are definitely, like, drug use, like, sexual abuse, pornography. Um, 
some parts of it. Yeah, so there's there's a lot going on in there. But I realized, like, so I rewatched it, um, especially when I watch things that sort of confound me a little bit. I just want to rewatch that material and really identify why I feel certain things. And I realized it's like each character is a microcosm or a or exhibiting symptoms of some of the major social issues that America is faced with or is structurally built in with and I was just really fascinated by that and I felt like the storytelling was actually really compelling and in a way you're the way that it's narrated and the way it's set up it's almost like you're watching a, a train collide in ultra slow motion so you can see all of these trigger points where like something horrible is gonna happen um, and you you get to slow it all down to figure out why it is so terrible um, and it really gives you an insight into like what's happening and what teenagers are dealing with today because it really uh, is reflecting a lot of their realities. Um, so my first thought after watching it was, how do I protect my future children from this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, my babies that are not born. But it was, it was very real. And um, definitely I've seen echoes of some of the stuff come up in some like recent movies. But to see it all together and to see a lot of the online feedback as well from a lot of teenagers saying, yeah, this is what it's like to be a teen in 2019. It was very sobering. And I just thought it was really well executed. But definitely all the trigger warnings. Um, yeah, a, a lot of pretty explicit stuff and like violence for sure. Um, so how how many episodes is it? Right now they're on to the third episode, um, and I think it comes out every Tuesday, I believe. Yeah. Oh, so serialized. Yeah, yeah. HBO trying to keep all those Game of Thrones subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cancel, please. People like me. I was like, eh, I'm gonna cut it after Game of Thrones, and I was like, ooh, Zendaya, and then like here I am. <laughs> I am snacking on a lot of automotive tutorials, going back to cars, because I can always talk about that. Particularly during the summertime when the weather's a lot nicer, I tend to maintain all of our cars. And currently, I live with my sister, uh, my wife, my sister-in-law, and my brother-in-law. So that's four cars I get to play with. And uh, the last couple of weeks, particularly around the holiday time, just preparing for Lots of oil changes, transmission changes, brake changes, uh, car detailing, all of that stuff. I get really excited so that I pretty much plan like weeks in advance how I'm going to do it per hour by minute, all of these maintenance Can items. Can you offer the service to the rest of us? <laughs> yeah. That was what I was going to ask. I, I need brake change, change and yes. oil change. <laughs> Happily. Thomas's automotive service. You do have life skills. <laughs> Shots fired. Thomas has raised two puppies, knows so much about cars, knows about home ownership, and knows podcast about editing. Podcast editing is also a great pastor <laughs> and theologian. Oh, yeah, Thomas, you should shout out like, didn't they record your sermon at Hill Valley recently? Oh, yeah. So people can check you can it out. snack on another podcast from Valley Mountain Church. I gave a sermon there. A few weeks back on Korean American spirituality, they are currently going through an APIDA celebration, mm -hmm. Asian American, celebrating Asian American spirituality. So they've lined up uh, six weeks of speakers and uh, they invited me to talk about my Korean American spirituality and what has shaped me. So if you want to hear me preach, uh, it's pretty short because I don't like long sermons. So go and subscribe to their podcast. Yeah, it was really great. I was there. I listened to it live. Yay. It was fantastic. You did a great job. Thanks. 
Thank you so much, Garrett, for joining us for this podcast on school lunch. Thank you for sharing your amazing stories and also about, you know, your experiences as a parent on the other side of school lunches now. Thank you for having me. So all you listeners out there, your dreams can come true, too. You can be on a future back snack podcast. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast is generously hosted by the lovely people at Diverging Mag. And our audio editor is our very own Thomas Yang. The podcast artwork is created by another amazing SPAC member, Kelly Comarita Martel. For more premium snack content, you can follow us on Instagram at SPAC underscore snack, S-N-A-C-C. Feel free to slide into our DMs with snack recommendations, like the wonderful Kat Coleman snack recommendation for the gochujang cauliflower wings. That was amazing. Send us your feedback, your own stories, all of that good stuff. Or if you have amazing questions like the ones that Karen brought up today that we could just like hit our special guests with, we would totally welcome that. See you in the DMs. And until next time. Spack Snack is brought to you by Matcha. No. No. <laughs> okay. You sound like a no. <laughs> <laughs>